0: Welcome to Food Friends, I'm Carrie, And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and
1: haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hi, it's Sonia. Have you ever spent so much time cooking and then staring at a pile of dishes and dirty equipment and thinking to yourself, it has to be easier to make a delicious meal? Well, as much as Carrie and I love to cook and sometimes even ambitiously cook, we also don't always have time for complicated cooking. And we also like to have easy meals that come together and are still delicious and maybe even a little fancy. And this week, Carrie and I are sharing our favorites. These are dishes that we've discovered over the years that simplify the cooking time the equipment you need without sacrificing any flavor and when we say one pot we really mean a single pot not an extra pot of rice not a side salad these are meals that come together in a single dish so if you want to hear our secrets for what makes the best easiest one pot meals stay tuned for more
0: hi sonia hi carrie How's it going? Better now that I'm with you. <laughs> same. Same. I'm excited to have this conversation. I feel like you're really good in this space of easy meals. I do
1: love a one-pot meal. There's something so satisfying about sticking something in the oven or putting it on the stovetop, putting a lid on it, and just being like, that's it. That's, and that's it. that's your one dish. Yes. And at most, you have like a salad on the side. Real, real simple.
0: I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm taking the salad off the table for this one. <laughs> I love this idea of one pot meal that makes it easy to get something healthy on the table.
1: Yeah, and I think regardless of the time of year, it's nice to have these kind of recipes in your back pocket whether it's for a quick night, you know, meal for your family or entertaining, you know, at the last minute yeah. or entertaining and wanting to make it feel easy. Anyway, I want to get into it. I feel like you have something really good, even though you're saying this is where I excel. I actually think because I'm more tolerant of using multiple pots and pans than you. I think I'm overall, so
0: less tolerant. Right? Like when we say one pot meal, I really mean one pot. And I think right. I and don't I always
1: do, mean that. And
0: I do. I do mean that. And I also think when I mean one pot, it's like I don't mean a pot and then some rice on the side. Well, I do
1: um, agree with that. I do think we should. That's the clarity for this term. It really is meant to be a complete dish, like something starchy or filling with some kind of protein or vegetable, like it's all one cohesive dish.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I was coming up short when we agreed to do this. I was coming up a little bit short. And then I remembered this really brilliant recipe I discovered a couple of years ago. And it's called Fancy Weeknight Chicken and Rice. That's the name of the recipe. And I found it in the New York Times. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Fancy Weeknight Chicken and Rice. But this is literally an all-in-one pot meal. And you know, you've got a protein, you've got some flavorings, you've got a uh, starch. But what they do is before you start cooking, cooking, cooking all of your aromatics, like your onions and your garlic and your spices, in that dry pan, you toast some nuts. Yeah. So again, you're not getting out like another pan to toast nuts at the end of the cooking. So it's like you toast some nuts that then go on top of the dish at the end with a flurry of herbs, which again makes this long cooking dish exciting.
1: Wait, can we back up? Because my first dish is also a chicken and rice dish. No. But I, yes, it is. But it, I mean, I have a feeling it's going to be quite different from this one. So I think what it would be good to know in this recipe what kind of chicken? What are the flavor profiles? What makes it feel fancy? What does it look like, this dish?
0: Well, it has some Indian roots in it. And so the recipe calls for ghee, which you can use, or you can use olive oil or avocado oil or regular butter if you want to. But you basically get some aromatics going. So you get like some onions and some garlic and some ginger, and then you add the chicken and you sort of coat it in this, but you don't really need
1: the chicken to be cooked. Chicken breast, or is it like whole pieces of chicken?
0: It's pieces of chicken and you can use whatever you like. So if you're someone who really likes – actually has a good amount of ghee in it. So if you were to use chicken breast, which I think generally is what I have been using, it doesn't dry out. But then if you were to use thighs, you could also do that too. So it's like – you're doing
1: the whole breast when you're cooking this? You're
0: cutting it into pieces. Yeah. Oh,
1: so this is really similar to my recipe, which we'll get into. But okay, Okay. so you're cubing chicken. You're having a lot of aromatics. You've already toasted some nuts. like. Almonds? Is that the preferred nut?
0: Yeah, I think that's the preferred nut, although I don't really stick to that. You know, I sort of use like whatever I've got or whatever I'm in the mood for. But yeah, I think it calls for a slivered almond. So it's like a little bit crunchy and toasty. You could do
1: a pistachio. You could do a
0: pistachio would be nice and pistachio would be really pretty. So when you just asked me, what does this dish look like? It's golden because it has a lot of turmeric in it.
1: Oh, and okay. so it's
0: basically like this really beautiful yellow rice. I think that's also why they call it fancy weeknight chicken and rice. It's this golden yellow rice with like little chunks of chicken in it. And then you put a flurry of herbs on top, which I would always go to cilantro and maybe a little bit of mint. I also mm. really love scallion with something like this. Oh yeah. But again, you can do whatever you want. I don't always have apricots on hand, but it also calls for apricots. So and if i have them i throw them in and if i don't i don't stress about it but one of the most brilliant things that i learned how to do you can add a vegetable at the end so if you have some broccoli that you've chopped up into small pieces or if you've got some greens throw that on the top and then if it can cook at 10 to 15 minutes like the amount of time that it's taking for the rice to absorb all of that great sauce then you basically have a chicken a starch and a vegetable all in the same pot
1: that's amazing and it is incredibly similar to the dish I was going to offer to you. (laughs) But I also want one other caveat because you just jogged my memory. Can I tell you about the best dried apricots I've ever had besides the ones at the Hollywood Farmer's Market? Yeah, (laughs) My friend, Adrian Hale, gave me this tip. There's a restaurant in Portland called Kachka. It's a Russian restaurant and they have a little market as, as well as part of the restaurant and they sell dried apricots from the country of Georgia and they're sort of these unsulfured like so they're a little bit more brown than uh, than orange and I will link them you may even be able to order these online these are the most incredible dried stone fruit I've ever had in the entire world I have to get you some I should have remembered to get you some
0: wait can you help me understand why they're good because you know this is like one of the conversations I actually really love to have with you because what you're just- Describing a dried apricot is really good. I live in Los Angeles. You live in Portland. Any apricots that we're getting, especially if you're going to like a farmer's market, my farmers, as you know, because they were used to be your farmers, have incredible apricot. But why are these Georgian okay, apricots well, so first much better? Of all,
1: as we know, different regions of the world, their terroir, their actual soil, creates a flavor in the produce. Like it's not just yeah. for wine. Like, and that's why in certain parts of the world, you're like, why does this piece of fruit taste like nothing I've ever had? <laughs> totally. before? But I think also what specifically I like is it's the most intense concentrated apricot flavor. If you dream of what an apricot should be, which is like a little tart, a little yeah. sweet, a little And floral, chewy, right? A, a little, dried apricot's got like yeah. a
0: chewiness to it, right? It's
1: chewy. It has a honey element. It almost has like a brown sugar caramel. It's Tell all me those more. Flavors. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those flavors like melted together and then like it has the right texture. It's not dried out and it's, right. these are sort of like the skin and the – Inside aren't so different in texture again I'm going to try my best to link them because they're incredible and like when I get them I savor them and would you
0: use them in this dish yes I would because the
1: flavor is so amazing so actually the dried apricots is a perfect segue to my dish which is a dish called plov which is a very common Soviet dish it has an amazing history it was actually brought to this region that became part of the Soviet Union by Bukharian Jews by Jews who came from like the Middle East and end up moving out and they brought this kind of pilaf like a persian pilaf and so pilaf and plov are very similar but it sort of started having its own identity and then alexander the great tried it and he loved it and he made it popular in russia and the empire and then later it became a very popular soviet dish but i also grew up eating it and traditionally it's actually made with lamb and in my cookbook i make it with chicken but the recipe i have in my book can be made with either chicken or lamb and it's a hundred percent a one pot Rice. And meat dish. So you cube your chicken. I prefer thigh because it doesn't tend to dry out, but you can yeah. use rest. Or you could cube lamb equally. And this would be such a nice treat to have lamb on like a weeknight meal or even a one pot <laughs> meal. But you could cube up some lamb and you basically brown that, but then add all the other stuff to it. And what makes it different from yours, like yours sounds like it has a lot of Indian flavor profiles, like the ginger, the turmeric, the spices, the ghee. Those are all sort yeah. of building blocks of a lot of Indian food. Whereas this is shredded Carrots is an important ingredient in There's onion, there's garlic, there's bay leaf. Oftentimes, people add dried apricots. It's very common. Mm. And I think there's cumin and coriander. I may be a little bit off, but you can already see like it's not the same flavor profile. It's a little bit more Middle Eastern, a little bit more Eastern European yeah. with yeah. the bay leaf. And so then you add water or broth, you know, to your raw rice and your browned meat and those sauteed vegetables, the shredded carrot and the and the diced onion and you basically put a lid on it and you can put it on a stovetop or in the oven and as it steams you know the rice absorbs the liquid Mm -hmm. and it becomes fully cooked and i just want to offer a tip for people making these dishes because i see this come up a lot sometimes people when they make one pot chicken and rice dishes their rice is gummy and they don't know why like it doesn't get perfectly cooked has that ever happened to you when you make a one pot chicken rice dish that has happened to me so i have a couple tips on This one, I think a shallower, wider pan, like kind of a deep saute pan. I have a deep saute Dutch oven, but I also have a deep saute pan, but a big one, Mm. or even I would think of a casserole dish might be better. And because when you have a smaller circumference pot, your rice doesn't spread out as much, right? And so then it can end up kind of gloopy. Yeah, that moisture doesn't reach all the way to the top. But I think if you can find a wider cooking vessel, Uh you have a better success rate with this. of dish, And then the other thing I sort of recommend is if it's getting too gloopy, like try to cook it a little longer. It may always be slightly mushy, but if it's really mushy, just stick it back in the oven, ignore the cooking time, let it dry out a little. And then if it's a little dry, on the other hand, sometimes people are like, but mine just came out too dry and the rice tasted like a little underdone. Then I say add a little bit more boiling water, hot water, and then put the lid on it and cook it a little longer and that will help the rice cook through.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would offer that like... Like letting rice rest, important as letting like a piece of meat rest, which when yeah. we talk about like making a steak, again, I did not grow up making rice. So I feel like I'm still kind of a newbie with rice, which is. Has- You're
1: absolutely right that rice needs to rest. In fact, I've loved the technique from Persian cooking when they made tadig, you know, that crispy mm-hmm. rice. My friend who first taught me who to make it, Tanaz Sasuni, I, she taught us all in this class. But one of the things you do is you put like a towel under the lid at a certain stage. Yes. So that the moisture is trapped by the kitchen towel, not just hanging on the lid and then soaking back into the rice. Yes. So it's like resting and also where is that steam going? And art, I feel like rice is an art form and we should not feel bad if we haven't mastered it because it's actually, I think, one of the harder things to cook well.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I want to go back to one of the words that you use, though because I think it really describes what you and I are both pulling at for this first idea, which is a pilaf. Yes. And what I love about this, it can be cooked in one pot. It has the starch, the protein, the vegetables. All in it, but it, it's so comforting. And when I serve this, I don't feel like I need a sauce or a side of anything. Like we might pull out the hot sauce. You just have this little bowl, and it's kind of exactly what you need on a weeknight when things are busy. And, and- if
1: entertaining, and you just added some like uh, pomegranate seeds, oh and my some gosh, toasted pistachios, and some mint, and really added those Persian elements. Then you really do have fancy chicken and rice. Totally. Okay, so what's your next brilliant idea? So
0: my next brilliant idea is somewhat adjacent to this. And it's another one of these recipes that's a cook the rice in the pot, but it's vegetarian.
1: I think it's helpful to hear more than just one pot meat dishes.
0: Yes, exactly. So this one is sort of similar in its flavor profile. There's turmeric in it but there's also coconut milk which for me is like such a nice when you're missing the, the like a heavy protein. So this is a recipe by Ali Slagle. It's called One Pot Turmeric Co- Coconut Rice with Greens and when I read this recipe it's, it's what reminded me that if you have vegetable like a bunch of greens, you can just throw them on the top of the pot and, yes. and they will cook alongside of the rice and so yes. at the end End, you have this really flavorful rice and then you've got all these greens that make you feel virtuous <laughs> and you can post nuts and or toast some coconut in the pot before you even get it going so at the end you've got this like really beautiful bowl of rice and then you can
1: sprinkle some of these toasted coconut on top of it. So it's a one pot coconut rice with greens and you can vary the greens and you can vary the flavors and spices but do you feel like it's missing something like do you add a chickpea or like a cube tofu or do you feel like, it's such a hearty kind of dish. I don't think it's missing anything, but this is also the kind of recipe
0: where if I had a can of chickpeas, I would drain it and rinse it and throw those in, but it's fine on its own. I think the coconut adds a lot of richness, and if you toss some nuts on the top, like this recipe calls for sesame seeds and toasted coconut, I think that gives it the little addition that that you need.
1: And if you weren't totally resistant to a second, although we're kind of breaking our rules, but if you you were we're not resistant to a frying pan or a little pot and you had a soft boiled egg or a little fried egg on top. I feel like a rice dish with an egg on top, you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't be mad at that. I mean, again, I, you know, I would – I would more default to you on this in terms of adding tofu. I still feel like uneasy about tofu sometimes. Yeah. And that you wouldn't have
1: to necessarily cook. That's a whole other conversation though. Okay. I have one in a completely different direction. Yeah. Tell me. So I will never not be a fan of soups for dinner. Like I definitely love a soup for dinner. and <laughs> That's I love my next
0: one too. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: I love a soup for dinner because it is the ultimate one-pot meal, but the truth is not every soup is a complete meal. Sometimes if I'm having soup for dinner, I really need a salad or I really want some bread. I want something in addition because it's just not hefty enough or filling enough, especially in the cold winter days or like those gloomy early parts of the year where you're just like cold and want to be yeah. cozy. So I have a specific soup that I think of as a one-pot meal because I really, think it's kind of like a complete dinner and that's Italian wedding soup. Do you ever make Italian wedding soup? No, tell
0: me more. I feel like I sort of know but I don't even know the flavor po- profile of it cuz it's it's like meatballs, right? It's a, they-
1: basically a like a chicken soup with meatballs and greens and sometimes also pasta added. Okay. And it's really like this addition of these meatballs that make it Italian wedding soup. And I think the first recipe I riffed on was Ina Garten's naturally. And um well we can link that <laughs> recipe and and since I first made it like kind of based off the recipe, now I just riff on it. What I like about the soup is I don't actually tend to use a recipe, but what I'll do is if I have some broth hanging around, right, then yes. I'm going to make a really simple soup, like a chicken broth soup, but you could also do a vegetable soup if you wanted with just your basic stuff in the pot, your carrot, onion, celery, garlic. And then I add in the broth and I let that all simmer I and mean, maybe probably I'd add some parsley. And then I make in a bowl, so I guess you have to take out one bowl and in that bowl, you mix up your ground meat I like to use ground chicken or ground turkey for this and I add things like chopped onion and
0: like a little bit of garlic maybe
1: oh definitely garlic I think Ina in the meatball mix like she does some pecorino romano some parmesan some milk some egg I don't do that because I just don't add cheese to my meatballs but she also uses chicken sausage like the uncasing you know the chicken sausage on its own so sometimes it already has some
0: flavor in it it already has
1: some flavor So, you could use some Italian sausage, pork, or chicken, depending on what you want to do, some ground chicken or turkey, whatever complements what you're using, some breadcrumbs, an egg, garlic, your seasonings. You could add cheese or not cheese, right? You make a really simple meatball and then just drop those little meatballs. Like, so basically, you get your soup going with all your little vegetables and your broth and it's simmering away. Then you make your little meatball mixture as the soup's simmering. Then now it's simmering away and your meatballs are done. and you just drop them into the simmering water, she, I think, has you cook the meatballs off in the oven and then add them to the soup. But I, sometimes, I don't want to do that. I just want to add the meatballs to the soup. Again, it's like a different texture, so you may not like that, but if you do not mind that and you enjoy it then having little gently simmering meatballs I find they flavor the soup they make it that much more rich and then you yeah. can also drop in some orzo or some little pasta noodles to sort of simmer for the last you know 15 minutes until they're tender and then it's all it's all kind of thickened it's almost like the idea of like how chicken and dumplings thicken which yeah. is be my other one pot idea that yes. I sure. But but again if you want to be true and authentic you would cook the meatballs separately and then add them to the pot
0: yeah and also Italian food lends itself so much to improvisation. And I love the idea of adding a starch, like you suggested, like an orzo, and cooking that in the broth because then it soaks up some of the broth. It gives off its starch. It thickens it. It's funny. That was kind of my second suggestion, which is really just a chicken noodle soup, but it's really based on an idea that you shared with me, which are those spaghetti noodles. I can't remember what they're called the ones that from the Russian, the egg noodles from the Russian market. Market. German egg noodles or or just Manhavvit's egg noodles work really well. Well I went to the Russian market that you suggested I go to the one in like Studio city called like Teshkent.
1: Oh, right? one of my favorite markets anywhere. Oh if you God. live in the LA area, Teshkent Market is a dream. And they have a little deli and a hot food bar. It's incredible. It was an incredible experience, but
0: one of the several things that I grabbed when I was there was a package of they're really like a thin spaghetti noodle, egg noodle,
1: right? They're thin egg they're called egg noodles cuz they are made with egg. They're yellower, but they're very yes. thin and they're not long like spaghetti. They're short. Exactly.
0: And so even if you just have onions, carrots, celery You kind of get that going. If you have a little bit of chicken or if you have like a little bit of rotisserie chicken or chicken that you've roasted for something else, you can throw that in and then add those noodles. Or if you just have like an, like you said, an orzo noodle or like a bite-sized noodle, what you end up with or what I oftentimes like to end up with resembles more of a brothy pasta dish or a stew as opposed to a soup, because I like it to be brothy and veggie. And to me, that's also a really great place to put like a handful of kale or chard or spinach, any of those greens that you have, like throw those in at the end and it adds this pop of freshness. Well, that's
1: that's going back to the investment of having broth in your freezer, which we go to time and time again, because it saves you on a weeknight, that little investment of time. And then you stock up on your broth. Okay. I have another one that's sort of a totally different direction than what we've talked about. And it's a kind of hot pot dish. And it's a Korean hot pot dish. And it's specifically, I don't know, do you know about Korean army stew? Have no. you ever heard about this dish? No, but I'm okay. so
0: glad to know. But I, this was one of the recipes I noticed that I People wanted to make. Yes, but I saw a hot pot dish like this and I was like, I want to make this. So I'm glad that
1: you're offering it. And there's so many kinds of hot pots, but this specific one, Korean Army stew, I just think it's so brilliant and fun and you can make it your own. So the elements are basically off very often. So they change depending on the household. Almost all Korean Army stews include spam, which I've literally never had because it's made out of pork and we just, never had it, yeah. but it includes Spam, it includes like American cheese, it includes a, some kind of ramen noodle, like a, a square of ramen noodles. It's sort of a mixture of all these pantry staples. Like a lot of people do have Spam and sliced cheese and ramen noodles and sausages and all these things in their pantry. And so you're basically putting layers of these ingredients in a dish. So the Spam, the sausage that you cut on the bias, like, like a kielbasa or a frankfurt, some enoki mushrooms, oyster mushrooms shiitake mushrooms some a pile of kimchi a square of instant ramen noodles some of those rice cakes you know what i'm talking about like yeah. those discs yeah. that you usually have to soak a little ahead of time some some big thick sections of green onion and you put all of that in a pan like a deep saute pan right or a deep pot and then you just make a very quick sauce like in a small bowl no cook nothing complicated of korean chili flakes the gochugaru which okay. you can you know but if you didn't have that you could use just gochujang but if you were making this sort of more authentically you would use gochujang that's Korean chili paste along with Korean chili flakes you combine that with some rice wine some soy sauce, some minced garlic, a little sugar or sugar. they sometimes use rice syrup but you could use any sweetener, you like maple syrup and you do a little combination of that so you're basically making a spicy red sauce and again if you didn't have the gochugaru you could just get some gochujang which now they sell almost in every market and you basically make that little sauce And you just put this all in the pot with some liquid, with some chicken broth, ideally. Or or water. some vegetable broth or water. And you let that all come to a boil. And then you top it with cheese. And then everyone sort of like scoops it out. What? And you can top it at the end with like the green onion. And maybe you want some sesame oil or sesame seeds just to garnish. And so it's like a little bit of ramen noodles, a little bit of sausage, a little bit of mushrooms. Oh, and tofu. Often silken tofu or cubes of tofu is added. So you can make this totally vegetarian. You could skip the span and the sausage and you can make it all with mushrooms and noodles and rice cakes and tofu or a soft boiled egg I mean it's just endless right and then you could always add your greens in a pile but the idea of this I love it as a concept I love Korean stews of all kinds like I really love that red peppery flavor and the sweet and the soy and the noodles and the chewy rice cakes I just love that
0: yeah I think the idea of Korean stew keeps coming up for us the Koreans know how to make good stews and this is the place that I really want to spend some more time this year is getting to be more familiar with these. I love this idea of just everything gets thrown into one pot, and I think that's also what is great about a one pot meal is that the sum of all the pieces is what is the
1: word? What's the, the sum you total? Think? Is like The sum total is than better you. than the parts. <laughs> yeah, the sum total is better than the parts for sure.
0: All these, all these ideas are sort of mixing together and making something completely new and completely delicious together.
1: I definitely think there's. Some room for experimentation. I'm curious to hear what you end up cooking in the next few weeks. You'll have to report back.
0: Yeah, I will definitely report back. So, one last idea that I always like to make at this time of year. It's like such comfort food, but it is a one-pot meal, which is like a stovetop macaroni and cheese that has a vegetable in it, like mm. broccoli. Because I think broccoli mac and cheese, it's both virtuous and really rich. And it's a one-pot meal. So th- there's a really great Ali Slagle recipe that I love to use, which is it's very very standard elbow macaroni, broccoli, whole milk, a little bit of garlic powder and a bunch of cheddar cheese.
1: Do you make a sauce first? Do you cook the noodles in a separate pot or you're literally cooking it all in one pot? Everything gets cooked in one pot. Okay, and do you add the stages? noodles? Wow, interesting.
0: It's it's everything gets thrown in. So you add the macaroni, the broccoli, the milk, the salt and the garlic powder and 3 cups of water and you you basically simmer it until it's all cooked together. It's basically what it takes to Make like a box mac and cheese, which That's I definitely so
1: smart.
0: It's so smart, and honestly, I grew up on like box mac and cheese. The one that I grew up eating that I still kind of love to this day is the Velveeta shells and cheese. Oh my it's god, I
1: love so- this reveal!
0: <laughs> I never ate the powdered one. I would only eat the Velveeta shells and cheese because the cheese sauce was just so much richer. It's just like rich and salty. And well,
1: everybody knows that to get that truly ooey gooey. Creamy mac and cheese. You add Velveeta.
0: Yes, a Velveeta or like an American cheese. A process. Yeah. You need a processed
1: cheese, yes. right?
0: Yes. And so this kind of gives you a version that
1: because Amazing. you cook because you cook the noodles in the milk. I love this recipe. I hadn't. I didn't know you made this. And occasionally, I'll indulge in Annie's mac and cheese, and I'll make a side of broccoli. And always, it has to be broccoli on the side when we have an yes. Annie's mac and cheese. But I love this idea of a scratch-made, easy version that you just throw into a pot and you do all in one pot that's genius yeah. and actually i think you know years ago i when i was doing food styling assistance i worked for this woman uh, Nora Singley and she used to be one of culinary producers for Martha Stewart and one of her food stylists and she invented literally the one pot spaghetti dish. That was her invention. Do you remember it was all the rage and you would add spaghetti and basil and tomatoes and water and you would cook it all in one pot? Put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was her amazing. creation. Was amazing. She was the first. And I remember being blown away. I was like, you're a food wizard because that is a smart, genius way to make a dish. And it's truly one pot.
0: Well, it also bends the rules of what you yes. think are. You have to boil your spaghetti noodles separately from your sauce. And at some point, people... People just decided to clearly. This woman just decided to give this a try, and it worked. So it
1: totally works.
0: You know, on a weeknight, it's okay to bend the rules a little bit. I think so too. <laughs> well, I'm excited to get in the kitchen now. Me too. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm especially hungry right now, so I'm going to go eat lunch.
1: Let's do it. All okay. Right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you. So follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking
0: and eating.